episode Loaded nine. Oh. Does he sit second, man? No, I don't I think he does. I think Kevin Keegan probably sits second. Oh, my God, what a <laughs> scandal. Austin Eckler versus the cards. Go and fuck yeah. the lot of you. <laughs> Austin Eckler. He's making me like I'm some sort of cameo. Like, I'm coming in and go, and out the bag, England to win. Hello and welcome to episode 22 of Loaded Sport, where today we are going to be reviewing wildcard weekend of the NFL season, as well as that, the latest in the world of UFC, and both the Manchester Derby and the North London Derby took place this past weekend. Joining me to go through this are three gents that know quite a lot about what they do. In fact, more than what I actually know over this last couple of weeks, as it's proven on our locks and wildcards. We're also going to be telling you how that's gone this past weekend. I'm going to start by introducing him first for the similar sort of reason. As I've said to myself, I'm going to do it. Skin, how are you? I've no idea what that was supposed to mean, but yeah, I'm all right, mate. How are you? <laughs> Basically, mate, what happened? And last week, I, I came over to you first, and you simply just said the word no. You've got nothing to say to me, because every time nothing. I go to introduce Sam and Kemp first, nothing. you just get involved anyway. So I thought, I'll come to you first. That way, you can talk freely when I introduce the other two as well. That's uh, that's actually incorrect reporting, journal. I didn't say Is no. It? I told you to fuck off. But uh, anyway, you? I'll uh, let well, you crack on. I preferred hearing no than fuck off. <laughs> Although I'm going to hear a lot of it throughout the next hour. No matter hour, what I'm you prefer sure. or not, mate, you just got to report it accurately, haven't you? No, I don't. You misunderstand what journalists do. Moving on, Sam, are you all right? <laughs> I'm good, mate. How's yourself? I'm very good, thank you. In a bit of a better mood, despite the fact that it's the beginning of the week. But I've got a nice, uh, nice weekend to relax and chill this weekend. So I'm kind of looking forward Have to just getting work out of the way. Yeah. Save it. Save, okay. save the reason why. I want well, to know that. Fuck saving it. Why? <laughs> because I'm we not at work on for. Saturday. Oh, good lad. Good lad. Go. I don't know why he thinks he's chilling. No, we're going to be in Newcastle. We'll save that for the weekend. Save that for yeah the weekend preview. And last, but by no means least, Mr. Kemp, how are you? Mr. Dawson, Mr. White, man with the mic, how are we doing? Very good, thank you. Yourself? Yes. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man, thank it. you. Don't blow your load too <laughs> yeah, early, mate. Thank Come you. on. Yeah, I'm good. I'm good, thank you. Yeah, Save yeah. it for the main event. Oh, yes. God. Uh, We'll start by talking about the Manchester derby that took place on Saturday afternoon and the controversial aspect of this, including Manchester United's, I believe it's their second goal that you're wanting to talk about, but the first is... First, first you mongol. (laughs) Take it away. (laughs) What are we taking away, mate? The first or second goal? (laughs) Do what you fucking want. Do what you want. The first goal, a lot of talk about the first first goal being offside. I've I've watched the video and I'll I'll, I'll tell you my opinion a little bit later. I want to hear from you guys first before I tell you mine. Yeah, save (laughs) it till later. (laughs) And as to why I was a bit unsure about whether you wanted me to talk about the first or the second. But Sam, Yeah, sure. You've already brought me in, mate. Sure, you're rambling on that. (laughs) Sure. Um, (laughs) (laughs) So, he's offside, isn't he? He's offside. It's, it's, It's absolutely criminal that that has been, that has been given or not being given, should I say. So what happened was, through ball comes through, Rashford runs onto the through ball without touching it, pulls a couple of City defenders to readjust, keepers then got to kind of stay in line with Rashford. Uh, it doesn't touch it, ball comes through, carries on playing, Bruno slots it home, great finish. Um, Lino gives the goal, referee overrules the goal, then it goes to VAR for a couple of seconds, comes back, United, have been given the goal. It's there's no way he does not interfere with play. So his very presence of being there is drawing 
the the city centre half. I forget his name. Is the city centre half? Kanji. Kanji, that's all right. Yeah, he's he's being in position because of Rashford's positioning. Um, Edison has to obviously stay in line for Rashford because in case he hits it first time, uh, if he's stood clearly offside like it used to be, the defender would kind of just leave him be and just you know everyone knows he's offside. He can't touch it otherwise, it's free kick. That doesn't happen. They have to keep playing. And the goal was given, which, letter of the law, it is, I mean, they brought Peter Walton in and they did say it is a goal. They changed, recently changed the rules and that, you know, if it doesn't, if it doesn't touch the ball, is um, is deemed onside. Or the other guy is deemed onside. He's not interfering with the play, should I say. So letter of the law, the goal should stand. But realistically, it's just overcomplicating the game for me. And it's just a blatantly, it is offside for me. What do you reckon, Dawson? Because I think... You've got a bit of a different opinion? Yes and no. Do I think that it should be offside? Yes. But, Kem, if you could just give me a quick Ted Hastings, the letter of the law impression <laughs> for me, please. The letter of the law. <laughs> By the letter of the law and those rules and laws that have, have changed over the years, as you mentioned there, Sam, it, it is not classed as offside because he didn't touch the ball, which... I don't necessarily agree with because I completely agree with you, Sam. Had he not been in the position that he was in, the the defenders and the movements that they make to get to the ball is different. Um, Edison is obviously different in terms of his awareness of where he might need to go or who might take the ball next. So of course, he, he's definitely interfered with the ball. Do I care? Obviously not. Because, <laughs> no, no. Why, again, would you? why would you? By the letter of the law, that's not Rashford's fault. That's uh, not Bruno's fault. That's not City United's fault or anybody on the pitch's fault. That's that's how. Like you said it again yourself, Sam, they've overcomplicated it. Um and, and they've United have benefited from that from that rule and they won't be the last team to, to do that. But it's, it's I think they will. I honestly think that yeah. I think I think that's the sort of goal that will change rules. I think they'll have to go back and look yeah. at that rule for that exact role. I don't think that'll happen ever again. Yeah. I think they'll have I, to make some kind of rule and mid season change. So what do you think? So 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 on the back of that then, what do you think they should do and what do you think they should change the rule to? To avoid that happening again, because you said that by the letter of the law, that it should be a, yeah. a goal because that's what it is. But what's your, if so, you were sat down with the FA and making the rules tomorrow and, and changing the law, what would you change it to? So I think that I think they just go back, revert to one stage back to what they had it as. So they've only recently changed it where as long as he doesn't touch the ball, he and he's not you know blocking keeper's sight is is not interfering with play. That shouldn't be a case. We've seen in that game you can there's various different positions you can be on the football field and that still have an effect on the game whether you're onside or offside so for me it's just it does he interfere with play yes or no yes he does everyone can see that and he's offside but because of this technicality that they changed the rules to well he didn't touch the ball and he's not blocking the keeper's view is off is is on is not onside you know he's is not affecting play but he is so for me, that has to be removed, and to go back to the step, the stage they did beforehand, where it's just is he affecting the play? Yes, he is. The defender's having to move about is offside, and that I, I think is quite a, a simple. Do you think decision it's too himself. harsh to say? Do you think it's too harsh to say that a Kanji in that situation, obviously he's played Rashford offside. So well, the city, the city battle line have played Rashford yeah. offside, so they know he's offside. Yeah, but then they can see Fernandez running in. And and looking as though he's going to shape up to have the shot at that point, do you not focus all your attention on Bruno? Leave Rashford because yeah. you already know he's offside. 
and make sure that you block that shot because Bruno is not offside and you already know that Rashford is because you've played him off. Well, the fact that Akanji was, had Rashford between him and the ball says everything about whether or not Rashford was interfering with play because in terms of having all your focus, if if the ball is through on goal and Bruno is through on goal and he's got a clear sight of goal and an opportunity to score, obviously you can you can never say without actually knowing for sure, but you've got to imagine that Akanji absolutely fucking full belt sprints. Could Cal Walker have done better? Potentially, but that's 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 not affecting the off that offside decision. It's you can only discuss based on what side. No, and again, I'm not. I'm not saying on, I disagree which is the with the side that Akanji was on, and in, in Rashford being where he was and doing what he did has an impact on what Akanji is able to do because Akanji yeah. can't just shove Rashford over or go through the back of him to get no. to Bruno because he can't. But I mean, he certainly can't run full pace to Bruno and try and get a slide in front of the ball to get a, you know some kind of block in it because Rashford's right there. So I don't think Walker's relevant to the conversation of impact that Rashford's that. had and things like that. But, but, I'm that. but I'm not specifically talking about that because I actually agree with you. I agree that it's offside and I agree that that's what it should no, be. it's not offside. Because Rashford has it. Because Rashford... Well, it's it's offside. We we all agree that it should be offside. <laughs> but it's not so, offside. So, but we all all right. Then it, it, it should be. Offside. But it's not. Well, then why are you being a dick? Why are you being a dick then? Because <laughs> um, it should be offside. Because yeah, Jonathan, let him get to his fucking point. Say, Jesus fucking Christ! <laughs> Jesus, fucking <laughs> mute this pun. Um, but my point is, is that I think the city defenders can do a little bit better, and I think they've just thrown their hands up in the air. Well, Rashford's offside. Yes, Akanji couldn't have got back across. I think Cal Walker could have done a little bit better. Um, and I think they'll be disappointed with that. It's it's a difficult situation. It's a difficult rule. And I do agree with you both that it does need to be changed back. But I think regardless, it's disappointing from City's point of view because you know, I think they could have done more. Maybe not Akanji, but maybe definitely Walker could have, you know. Well that's that that is that's the whole point now. So it, it's literally all on Akanji. So mm. I've seen someone photoshopped a picture of just removing Rashford from the picture. And you can see it, Akanji, I mean, obviously in a still frame, it's a bit hard to tell, but if Rashford, Rashford isn't there, like Dawson said, Akanji can come straight he through takes and, him away. and slide. Yeah, no, he takes and, him away. So, yeah, yeah, that in itself yeah. is saying he's interfering with play. So you can yeah. say City's defence should have done better. Of course they should have done better. They've allowed a through ball to get in behind them for a start. So mm. there's that. But someone being able, doing better shouldn't have anything to do with whether it's offside or not. It's, well, it it's doesn't. Offside, it doesn't. Offside. It's offside anyway. I'm not, yeah. I, that's not what I'm saying. And maybe I've not communicated that particularly well. It's It should be offside. It wasn't offside. Um, it's unfortunate, and I'm sure you know Eric Ten Hag said that he f- would have felt hard done to if it had it gone did. the other way. Yeah. But yeah, you know, you've got to look at it from a you know perspective of right, okay, well, it wasn't offside, so what can we do better? And that's what Pep will be doing. You know, he'll he'll be looking at where could we have what could we have done better in that situation, taking out the offside you know piece of it because he'll want no excuses. So yes, I completely <laughs> agree with everything you said, but. I do still think that Kyle Walker needs to probably do better in that situation, but it's unfortunate. You, you say that, but in Pep's interview after... I don't know if oh, he he's not going to say that to the press, though, is no, he? No, 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 <laughs> what I'm saying is, if he caught it, he'd completely given up with football yeah, at this point. It, yeah, like I said, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm no longer interested with Premier League. Yeah, um, we turned up, we, we've played like this the last five times we've played Man United and we've beat them. Um, we've not done anything wrong as such. We, you know, we've just turned up and been ourselves, and we've ended up losing game. And it's, I no longer care about the Premier League. So he's he's completely just thrown his hands up, like 
I think, I, I think there's definitely a, a point of that where he's sort of come out and said, you know, blamed it on the decision. I'm not interested in title anymore. It's gone. To try and maybe get into his players' heads, saying, right, come on, let's shout Gaffer that, you know, it's not yeah, gone. Yeah, he's done this before, I, though, I, when well. he says, But when he says, you know, we've done everything we can, they had one shot on target. Yeah. They weren't very good. So, you know, he's, he's, he's straight away, he's, you know, he's bullshitting from that. I bet they but, can't wait yeah. for Ireland coming back. I know, innit? <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely Aggie, non-existent, what, that guy. Yeah, yeah go sure on, had deep pockets, didn't he? But Aggie, what were what your thoughts, mate? No, I, I agree being with what you said. Being a traditional man. He, no, I agree with what you said. He, he's offside, and he's, if, if he's interfering with play from an offside position, whether that's making an attempt to go to the ball or... Like, like obviously, he backs off at the last minute, doesn't he, to allow Bruno yeah. to take the shot, but he's already made the attempt the to go for the ball. damage has been done at that point. Yeah, so for me, the flag's got to go up and he's got to be regarded as offside. And it amazes me. And this is what I was telling you the other week about VAR, how VAR can still make these sort of errors and still raise but, these talking points. But they it, haven't made an error. It's not. It, it, it's, not an error. error. it's not an error. VAR made an error. The law, ladder, the ladder. as we've just said, the ladder, says that he is onside. So That's VAR issue, haven't yeah. made an error. VAR have made the right decision. It's the rule that's wrong, Adam. Yeah, 100%. Well, it's a correct decision. I wonder where the line is. Yeah, we'll not get too much into the NFL sort of spiel, but just for your benefits of where I'm going with this, the, the hard count at the line of scrimmage, which I think Drew Brees was probably the, the best and the biggest at sort of trying to utilise. I'm not having that faking... Aaron Rodgers all day. Well, either or, either or, trying to fake that count to make someone make a move. If you apply that to the Rashford situation and we're saying he's not, you know, he's running towards the ball and then he moves away at the last second. Where's the line? If he'd have took a fake swing at the ball with no intention of trying to make contact with it, you know, is that still like part of it? If he'd have backed off a little bit to get even further in the way of a kanji, like it's it seems a very grey area of what this new rule is. Of because I don't think Rashford could have if he'd have done anything literally any more, then surely they would have had to call him offside. I don't really know. Where, where more he, or what more leeway he had in that situation. So, this is where I've got to agree with Kemp well. on the Kyle Walker yeah. situation because as that ball's coming through, yes, Akanji can't get there, but Kyle Walker as a defender, you've just got to point blank get there and get rid of that fucking ball. Let, let the linesman, let the referee sort out whether it was offside or not mm. after. First ball, yeah, play, he played to the whistle 100%. Rashford was about, th- about a good three steps offside. Like when that first the ball first got played through to him. It yeah. was about three steps offside and it was it was blatant. You could see him go through. Where's it. the line on the other side, though? As Dawson just mentioned, you know, how much interference does he have to make for them to call it offside? But at the same time, what, if you do change the rule back to where it was, you know, is if he stood in an offside position, the ball gets played through and he doesn't even move. And then Bruno runs up the left-hand side and, and picks up the ball from the ball that was originally yeah. going to go to Rashford. How do they flag that? Because it's all a, this rule is all a massive grey area and it's all about opinions and perspective. There's no one thing you can say with this particular rule that or, or this particular situation that says, right, he's interfering with play and he's not. How do you define interfering with play? And I think that's what we really need to, to look at. Really needs to get yeah. ironed out, doesn't it? One set rule because it, since they've started messing about with the rule, there's been so many grey areas where but you can't get a definitive answer. And like you've already said, if you're blocking the goalkeeper's view, you're offside. But then in this situation, you're not. It just it. So what do you do then? Do you do you say if anybody's offside when the ball's played, it's offside? If you're making a conscious attempt to either get uh, to to interfere with play, so whether that's to go for the ball, whether that's to block somebody then, yeah, I'd say that's offside. So, like from free-kick situations where you see somebody stood in front of the goalkeeper 
if you're interfering from that aspect and you're blocking the goalkeeper's view, yes, you're offside. If you make a run from the to the ball from an offside position, yes, you're offside. That's what I feel the offside rule should be because you're impacting play from the moment you're making that decision to go for it. Yeah, I must say, um, Andy Goldstein from Talksport made an interesting um, point earlier in defence for it. And he big said, like, he's a big United fan, surprise, surprise. <laughs> and he, he said, technically, if you're an attacker on a football pitch, if you're offside in any regard, you are interfering with play to some of the opposition. Some of the opposition, you're, just you being where you are on the, on the field, will affect their mannerism just will affect the goalkeeper's stance, whether it stands a couple of stands to left or to right, you know, anticipating a tapping, maybe at back post if you're offside. So an offside can technically impact. You, you can be impacting the play anywhere on the field, if you know, if you're offside. I'm babbling here, but um, it, it we're essentially saying that you can, you can you can be offside anywhere and not particularly where Rashford was and still affect the opposition so yeah I guess that is where the grey area exactly my point is that if you've got somebody out on the left hand side who's offside by by an inch and that means that they're taking the right back out of the game so that they're not maybe covering on the inside for for the centre back who's maybe gone forward and and committed then where do you draw the line so it's a very very difficult rule I don't envy the rule makers with this particular one, but you know, going back to what what you said there, Adam, unfortunately, and I know you've got a vendetta against VAR, but it did its job, and the goal was allowed, and so it should have been, you know, thanks to uh, thanks to the rule book. Yeah, yeah. Well, that was uh, United against City, where United walked out two one winners, giving Arsenal a chance on Sunday. Apart from it... that, though, I don't want to just all talk about the offside because United actually played really well. So <laughs> yeah, it seems it seems seems like we're diminishing the point of United winning it by is. just talking about the offside. So going on record to say that they played really well, Eric's yeah, really and they thoroughly deserved the win. I think, yeah, yeah, he's doing a brilliant job, ETH. Yeah, what, what fair play to you, Kemp, saying that because we was quickly about to paper over that, and yeah, they were they was absolutely brilliant. To be fair, Luke I think Shaw it's just definitely worth mentioning because I think it's what is it five wins in a row or even yeah, more? I think it's about eight, win, yeah. eight wins in a row now. I think so. And against Man City, you know, yeah, they've not been hundred percent, but. Um, but yeah, I mean, you were just about to come on to your Luke Shaw point. I'll not take it yeah. away from you. Played him at centre back yeah, I mean, again. So. Yeah, I mean, obviously, everyone was saying, oh, they've only played Forest, they've only played Wolves when they played centre half. Well, now they've played probably the most informed striker on the planet. And he had, like you say, they had one shot on target between them all, and he was non existent. So fair play to, from, you know, from 1 to 11. They were absolutely. Out. I say one to eleven. Actually, I do, I do think De Gea was a little bit suspect with a couple of his kicks, giving possession away quite sloppy. But other than that, yeah, it's, De- it's, it's his weak point in his game, and it is his yeah. footwork and distribution. It's one of the main reasons why, especially since Eric Tenard come in and he was changing sort of the the style of play. That yeah, the, you know, the keeper position was something that they were looking he, at. Um, with I think yeah, I think he's uh, potentially his position's not exactly safe. I wouldn't wouldn't have thought if yeah. they can get a new one in. Uh, no, but I thought you know Bruno's all they need. Trust me. <laughs> um, yeah, Bruno obviously since he's been given captaincy. Well, not given you know deputy captain, but we don't see Maguire anymore, and yeah, uh, Ronaldo's gone, so he's not in his shadow anymore. I just think he's come on leaps and bounds, and he's just a completely different player than when when Ronaldo were in the team. It's up and down all the time. So, Defensive work outstanding, attacking his range of passing is just outstanding as well, and obviously got the got the decent little finish. Whether it should have been offside or not, who knows? But uh, yeah, he's still you mentioned Bruno there. But you mentioned Bruno there. You look at, I mean, you've mentioned Luke Shaw already. Luke Shaw, 
you know, Dello was playing much better than, than mate, he ever Wampa had. by the way, shirt. phenomenal. Oh, mate, mate, yes, honest phenomenal. to God, the, the amount of players that have been there for, you know, Ranić, maybe some even Mourinho. Yeah. You've got Rashford, Martial, um, all these players that have been there. Fred, since, you know, since a really bad regime or a couple of really bad regimes at United, Ten Hag come in and he's not, you know, he's not, not change them. He can't you know, change them as players. It's just what this is. What happens when you get when you bring good coaching into a sports team? And that's exactly what's happened. They're actually being coached. They're not just well, being. Well, you know, I'm sure we'll get onto that point again later on about it well, takes a good coach and all that. There you but, go. Uh, but but that's you know the point. The point stands. You know these players have been playing for regimes where they couldn't they couldn't buy a win. The football was horrendous and the feeling was terrible. But. They brought a coach in who's actually working with the players, actually knows what he's talking about. He's not a fucking PE teacher that's just wants to build an eight. And and he's he's brought back discipline, he's brought back wanting to play fit shirt. And I mean, look at them, they're flying. So, you know, props to Eric Ten Hag. Yeah, and they've got Arsenal uh, this weekend as well. So another big game to follow up on. Huge. Arsenal have just come off the back of a 2-0 victory against Tottenham as well. And I think despite the fact that uh, not too much battling was done on the pitch that we're familiar with North London derbies, uh, post-match, Aaron Ramsdale got involved uh, with something that happened with a supporter as well. So, uh, Sam, I'm going to start with you on this one as well. Uh, your thoughts on the, the, the situation after the game. And, and I want to talk more about the leadership that Arteta shown when he went onto the field to take the players away from the situation because it didn't look like settling down at all, did it? It, no, it didn't, and um, I must admit here, I, I didn't see any of the of the game. Um, I only seen the the fan kicking um, Ramsdale. What on earth is he doing there? Why? How has he got that close to the to the player? What are the stewards doing? Just an absolute twat. And now I'd, I'd like one of you lot to fill me in because oh, because yes, um, <laughs> um, what what happened? What did, what were Ramsdale so, doing before? It was a goal kick. Story? So it was a goal kick, I believe, to for Arsenal. And Ramsdale was going to fetch the ball. Richarlison gave him a little bit of uh, bit yeah, of hammer the as he was yeah. on his way to to fetch the ball. Um, and then the uh, Ramsdale went and got the ball, uh, and the fan jumped over the, the the advertising hoarding or whatever. And when Ramsdale bent over to pick the ball up, I believe he sort of kicked him in his back. Um, it didn't do any damage. It was fucking yeah. It went. It went. He needs a fucking no. yeah. And he's needs needs lessons on that. Well, that that's crazy then. So I, I I essentially did see the entire incident. I just thought there must have been more to it because no, I mate. did see I did see Richardson no. winding him up and getting his finger in his face and that. And I can't stand that twat anyway. But um, so I, I thought there must have been something you know a precursor to that. So that no, was Ramsdale the were giving then. fans a bit of shit. They were giving him a bit of shit, and he just gave them like two 0 with his though, hands like it? that, right? But I can't remember who it was that I saw. Oh, it's, that's going to do Medin now. But someone, it was footage of Keys and Andy Gray uh, with Jason McAteer, wherever they're obviously doing punditry now. And Richard Keys, yeah, something like that. Richard Keys was basically saying that all oh, the players have got to deal with it. Jason McAteer, obviously, from a player perspective, was saying, You do not realise the level of stuff that fans will shout at you about you, about your family, stuff that you, you know you shouldn't be shouting to someone, regardless of the environment or situation you're in. And like you can't start then crying when players give it a bit back. And all Ramsdale did was just literally two with one hand yeah. and a zero with the other. Like, didn't do anything like a bit of a tongue in cheek, a bit of a smirk on that. Walcott did it to him, didn't he? Not a couple of years back, he did exactly yeah. the same when he was stretching off. Yeah. 
But yeah, it, it, I, I think Jason McAtee is absolutely right with that. Like fans, I've I've said before, how you know it's one of the reasons why I fell out of football for so long was just the the fans. Like especially when you start, you go to a couple of American football games and you know you feel the atmosphere and the environment, and it's a great Mixed time. Crowd. You go to foot, yeah, and you go to football, and it's just a bunch of fucking idiots that want any excuse to start fighting for no reason whatsoever. Like. They're, they're the first ones to act like they're a big man, but then the first ones to start, start crying when someone gives them a tiny bit of something back as well. It's a bit of a fucking piss take. But, oh, but you know we've got Stone Island lad in here, don't you? Yeah, <laughs> fucking hell. They were at it on Saturday, weren't it? Him and Dibbett. Oh, Scrapping like fog. Oh, I went at it. I was just enjoying watching him in his element. Bless me, right? <laughs> up the no, blades. I think, yeah, up the blades. In in all seriousness, something definitely needs to be done. I, I think I saw earlier today, and I don't know how, how true it is, that both one or two fans have been issued a lifetime ban. I think they might have identified who they are and, and, and issued them a ban. I, I think, heard that know, they were forcing season that. tickets upon them. Yeah, maybe, yeah. maybe, yeah. Um, I think it needs to be stronger than that. I think teams need a, you know, a, a, a fine, a really big fine. Or I think it's difficult doing points deductions, but you know, yeah. a, a massive fine, most definitely, because we've seen it on so many occasions in recent years. Oliver McBurney, just you know, one of them, he's just literally come out of court uh, yeah. for Sheffield United after after the incident well. on the uh, on the pitch at Nottingham Forest in the playoffs. Yeah, so should have been there. Something needs to, you know, it needs to be stronger. Something needs to happen, and we, we need to bring the law or or something into the game that says, you know, if you if you invade the field of play. You know, and you 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 interact with any players. If you assault any players or anything like that, then not only do you get a lifetime ban, but you know you you get a massive fine and also prosecute them. A massive fine. Prosecute as well. them. Yeah. yeah, yeah, no, absolutely right. It's assault at the end of the day. Yeah, of course it is. Um, so prosecution, fines for the person, fines for the club, um, and and they need to do that because it's it's not acceptable. And no, no matter what, you know, there's no excuse for entering the field of play and assaulting somebody, no matter who it is. So hopefully they're dealt with in the strongest possible manner. 100%. Totally agree. It does leave Arsenal eight points clear at the top of the league, though, ahead of Man City. They do have Man United this weekend. So the question I'm going to put towards you um, is if Manchester United beat Arsenal this weekend, they will go just six points behind Arsenal. Does that mean there is an outside chance that United could join this title race? If, if you don't mind, I'm going to jump on this first. Yeah. So... Um, again, listening to TalkSport earlier, and they said with the World Cup obviously messing up the schedule slightly, if the World Cup hadn't have been there, we would be roughly around the 14th of December fixture-wise. If Would you ask me that very same question if we was on the 14th of December in a normal fixture list and United were, say, six points off the top? What would you think? Would you think United six points behind? with essentially over half a season left to play, would you think they're in the title race? Now, the reason I ask it is because once they've played this game this weekend, that'll be 19, that'll be the exact halfway point of the fixtures. The reason I'm asking it is because everyone's been talking, it's Arsenal-Man City, it's Arsenal-Man City, one of those two are going to win it. United beat Man City this past weekend. If they beat Arsenal this upcoming weekend, the two teams that people have said are going to be battling for the championship this year have both lost to Manchester United, who are in a very good form at the moment, as we've already mentioned. So is it realistic to think that there is an outside chance? If we can say Arsenal or Manchester City 
then I think, yeah, I think there's a very valid reason to say Manchester United could be a part of it. And why not ask that question? Of course, there is. Can my I... opinion. Go on, go, on, yeah. go on, Dawson. Go on, Dawson. I was just very, very quickly going to point out for context <laughs> that um, let's not forget United are playing Palace this week. So if yeah. they win that and then beat Arsenal, they'll be three points behind Arsenal. But Arsenal will have a game on just yeah. for full context coming out of that game on Sunday. So what, what I'm going to add to that in the sense of um, have they got an outside chance? No, I don't think they have. I think they've got a real chance. They've yeah, got yeah, yeah, an yeah, outside yeah. chance. They've got a proper chance. People are forgetting, and Sam just completely nailed it there. We're on the 16th of January, and it's very, very strange that we've got 20 games to go. Exactly. We've not even played half the season yet. So people getting carried away about Arsenal, or people getting devastated about City, or people writing, you know, Man United out of it just because they're, you know, a few points off the top. It's absolutely ridiculous. You know, there's been so many occasions where teams have been further behind than this or just as far behind as this and and made that points gap up probably in fewer games, I would imagine. So easily. There's there's no question in my mind as to to whether it's a three-horse race or not. It's 100% a three-horse race, in my opinion. I think Newcastle have probably struggled a little bit in recent weeks and I I don't think they're... They're quite ready for it. And I did predict that before World Cup. And I'm, I'm glad that one of my predictions has come in right. <laughs> but um, yeah, I, I definitely think it's a three-horse race at this point. And, you know, City and Arsenal have still got to play each other twice. So that anything could happen there. There's a lot of points to be won and lost. So a three-horse race. And um, and I hope, I, I do hope that Manchester United can do it. But uh, we'll have to see. Very exciting times. Absolutely. Yeah. Arsenal only lost one game this season. That was to United. Mm-hmm. Newcastle, as you said there, they are still in the mix. They, they're one point behind City and level with United, but they've played one game more. They're not losing games because Newcastle as well have only lost one game this season, which is phenomenal, but they're drawing too many. Um, they've drawn eight games compared to City's three and Arsenal and United's two. So that's where the difference is. And I suppose just that extra bit of quality that Newcastle are lacking at the minute in their overall yep. squad. But yeah. It's a bit of experience as well for me. It's Eddie Howe's never been in this position before. A lot of the players have never played in the league before. They don't they, they understand the league, but they don't, you know, they don't quite quite get it. You know, there'll probably be a few of them that are stepping out on St. James's Park and thinking, chuffing hell, it's a bit cold and probably not fancying <laughs> it a bit at times. So yeah. yeah, I think maybe next year if they're in the same position as they were now, I'd probably give them a little bit more credence. But you know, they're very, very new to the <laughs> the top four, top six team for a long, long time since my man Kevin Keegan got on there. Um, so, <laughs> just to, uh, so, so yeah, on the just on the Arsenal City, as you said, they've got to play each other yet. They've actually still got to play each other twice. They've not played yeah, each other yet this yeah. season. So yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, well, that's, three that's, times because they've got to play each other in FA yeah, Cup as well. Cup. Yeah, yeah, obviously <laughs> cup. Um, but yeah, yeah. In, in in regards to the league, they haven't actually played each other yet, so they've still got both yeah. of them legs to come. Exactly. And United must be rubbing their hands together with that because yeah, I believe uh, they yeah, were due to play when the Queen passed away and that's why ah, the, the first game's it. not been played yet I'm sure they were due right. to play and that's it you look at it from that perspective you know if City win both those games poof, God it's it's a right can of worms isn't it 100% so it's, it's a very exciting end to the season and how good is it regardless of who wins it or whatever to, for it to be you know potentially a three horse race yeah. not just City yeah. out by 20 points or Liverpool out by 20 points or, or Man City and Liverpool out by 20 points I honestly can't remember I honestly can't remember last time that were a three horse race it'll be a long time ago wouldn't it? you're probably yeah, going back to when time. Leicester won won't you when it was Leicester Leicester Spurs, Liverpool Leicester Spurs, Leicester Spurs uh, Arsenal wasn't it yeah it was yeah Spurs, Spurs finished third in a two horse race <laughs> yeah, I was like Spurs <laughs> only two to finish second in a two horse race <laughs> Yeah, 
Right, let's move on to discuss the locks and the wild card results, including the results from our second listener lock-in. Over to you, Sam. Yeah, so on the locks this week, I think we got uh, 50%, so, you know, could be better. Um, skin, Chef United, always a, always a pretty safe uh, bet, then, I guess, obviously. Kempe went to see him. Maybe, what do you reckon to game Kempe? We didn't play that well, to be fair. It sounds like we're in a bit of a down <laughs> there, but we actually no, didn't no. play that well. Second um, person I've heard that from today. Really? So. No, no, we, we really didn't play that well. First, first 20, 25 minutes, we were, we were good. Um, we were pretty much all over him. They scored just before half time, and then we thought, all right, we'll come out second half, play our stuff, keep possession. You know, they're not really threatening very much. But, you know, for the for the first sort of, first sort of 30, 35 minutes after half time, um, we didn't have much of the ball. Stoke, Stoke played... Um, a pretty nice football, kept the ball well, but they just didn't have that creative spark. Me and me and uh, Dib were were speaking to some Stoke fans in the pub after the game, and they were saying that was their problem all season. They'd not got a spark, and they'd not got anybody to put in the ball in the back of the net. They'd got some good players that could hold possession well and could run the game, but they couldn't do anything with it, unfortunately. And then we uh, caught them in the break and uh, and scored by the ex Derby man, our right back, getting his uh, getting his brace, <laughs> Jaden Bogle. So um, yeah, Very. delighted with the result. Delighted with uh, with Jaden Bogle's performance, and Elliman and Jai played unbelievably well as he always does. But uh, yeah, wasn't a great performance. But hey, what's what's that? That's the mark of champions, isn't it? When you can oh, not play well and uh, and still win comfortably in the end. So absolutely. Very, very quick question for Kemp. You mentioned talking to Stoke fans in the pub after the game. Um, mm. Did you, throughout the entire conversation, maintain pointing at your Stone Island badge? <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't actually wearing my Stone Island oh, uh, killer, jumper, mate. sweater. Yeah, I've not actually Just... worn my Stone Island sweater in probably about two years now. Since we went to Sheffield nice to... and you went allowed yeah, in. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I've always been like... scarred by that event. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, Just don't yeah worry, uh, I've, I've kept that one in cupboard for, for a rainy day. Fair enough, leave it. Sam, carry on, mate. <laughs> yeah, um, so I backed uh, Burnley at home against Coventry. They obviously beat them by a goal to nil. Again, another team that's uh, quite safe on the on the old locks. Um, Ag, mate, do you, want to, uh, oh. do you want to talk us through Stevenage? Not really. Not do you want really, to talk no. us through fucking Sam's bet up again? Look, uh, my original choice was Burnley. It, it just seems to happen that yeah, over the last couple of weeks, fair. my first choices have been taken. But Stephen is just second in League Two. They're a side in form. It's not like I've gone for bottom of the league or it's not like I've gone for Forest again. Oh, like you've gone Notts Forest away, is yeah. it? Exactly. Yeah. I've gone if, for if Stevenage. Only stop picking fucking away teams. Away games. Second we keep in telling League you Two. This. Yes, but... Yes, but they're second in League Two. They were performing quite well. listen to us, Ag. We're, we're talking some sense here. We've got some results to right. back ourselves up. Steady right. on, we, Sam. Steady on. Right. We, we can, <laughs> yeah, maybe, maybe not Kemp, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we keep telling you these away games are dodgy as fuck and you still keep backing him and you still keep thinking, oh, I don't know how, I don't know how that one didn't come in. It's because the fucking home team can always pull a result out. Hmm. I respect He's going away this week. <laughs> I'm going away this <laughs> week, yeah. Oh, for fuck's sake! He's just to be that guy, I'm going away. Yeah, whoever's whoever Newcastle's got, I ain't even looked. You are, Newcastle have got City. Now I'm saying you're you're going to back Wolves away at City oh, right. for lock. No, 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 I'm not that bad. Um, Forest, Forest, I'll go this week. And uh, yeah, and speaking of disasters, Mister Kemp, how are you? It was a bit of a disaster, wasn't it? Um, yeah, I was checking the result while I was well checking the score while I was at the game. And I think they went one 0 down, and I went. You just oh, want to remind everyone of who he picked. Yeah, oh, absolutely. Fuming. Sorry, I had um, Exeter at home against Forest Green. 
Uh, Forest Green, who are it's not rock bottom, second bottom in League One, um, being absolutely piss poor all season. And I thought Exeter had, uh, had, had run all over them, but I think they went 1-0 down, like I say. So that was a bit of a shocker. I was enjoying seeing the, the, they pulled the goal back, but having looked at the stats afterwards, I think Exeter had two shots on target and Forest Green had one. So it sounded like a bit of a bit of a dull game, but uh, yeah, locks aren't what I'm known for, though, is it? You know, when we get to wild cards, that's when I shine. So I'm not too fussed. <laughs> Hang yeah, on a minute. True. So he's gone for tenth place to win against bottom of the league. I've gone yeah. for second place to win against twentieth. I've got a load of shit for getting mine wrong. When second to do, beat twentieth, do you want to know the very key difference? Do you want to know the key difference in our lot? He knows the key difference because it was away from home. I don't think he does because it was away from home. I'm listening. Exactly. A lot of bollocks. He's, uh, but this is the problem, though. Adam is going to keep picking away teams to eventually, in fucking May or something, prove a point. I will. That away teams I can will. sometimes win. Well, may a broken clock is right twice a day. Yeah, so well, you I'll know, get there. The law of average averages, you are going to get one eventually. Look, right. I you're going to practically practically cost nothing. more fortune in the meantime. Until we started taking a proper table for this, I was actually quite good at this. I was second. Yeah, more it, often though. than prove not. It, Listen back to the old recordings. They're there for you. Second, more often than not. <laughs> Touche. Now, we're, now yeah. we're taking points and keeping tallies, and no, I'm having fine. a tough time of it. I'm getting shit for it, and I haven't said one thing to you or to Kemp at any point. Mate, you you can't say... Good now, mate. I'm now I can't. Sam's, now I can't. Sam's but before I could... success rate across the board this the year. Nerve. What do you mean before, you've not said no. anything to Sam? No, no, no. Before, when they were struggling and they weren't no. doing it, now we're taking note. I'm getting all the grief, and I said, fuck all when they were struggling. Warned you. Warned you oh. about this. This was the whole point of the nah, spreadsheet. Nah, nah. So you're accountable for your picks. That's why Kemp now takes half an hour a week with his readers on, Fucking researching and reviewing, instead I of now just I've three done... minutes before recording, going, oh, shit, I ain't got a lock, and just closing his eyes and pointing on a team. I've done more research this year for these locks than I did How's last year. So that's it. I'm not researching. Else, but... I'm not researching. That's it. I'm just going to pick a team at random. Shut anyway, right. so well, you know, come on then. Let's get on to yeah, scorers. Come honestly. On. So scorers, <laughs> none of us got picked a scorer. So oh, I will forgive right, Skin. Let's for... get rid, let rid of scorers then. <laughs> <laughs> I, will forgive, I will forgive Skin for this one. So Darwin Nunes didn't even make the match day squad. So he um, is a void bet, as we know. Um, Harry Kane, Ag, no good against Arsenal. Ross Stewart for... Sunderland, that was a surprise result, I thought, as well. Yeah, and well. Um, is it uh, Sam Nombe, was it? Sam Nombe. Yes. Sam Nombe. Yeah. I, I say Nom. It might not be Nom. It might be Nombe. I've, no, I've no idea, mate. <laughs> I've no idea. I believe it's Sam. Got, I believe it's He didn't score. Andy got a yellow card, so he can put that <laughs> off. No, but it's a void bet because Kemp said his name wrong, so we actually picked someone else. <laughs> yeah. I did. I did, yeah. No, that's uh, that's fine. So, yeah, none of us got a got scorer on that one. So, on to the wild cards then. Uh, yeah, this is actually... Pretty good. So uh, once again, Skin has another void bet on Morecambe. Again, yeah, it was, was called uh, off due to the high winds on Friday, caused damage to uh, Cambridge's stadium. So that's to be called off, unfortunately. Hmm. So we'll start with go straight to Ag then. Fantastic call, uh, Brighton at home against Liverpool. What you got yes, to say, you send there? I'm quite chuffed with that one. I actually good thought call, about mate. that one good quite call. well. So thank you. What a performance from them, by the way. Good chat. Uh, so, myself, I obviously, there was a bit of controversy here when I backed Manchester United, pipped in yeah. ahead, I think, every single person in the in the chat. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, Man United, obviously, at home against City. That was uh, another big tick for me. And Mr. Kemp, he backed Forrest at home against Leicester. And it, on looking back now, 
you'd think, how on earth were Forest underdogs in that game? And it was a clinical 2-0 performance. What do you reckon, Ken? That's it. No, I was, I'm using the wild card definition to my advantage. 100%. Yeah, um, why not? Nottingham Forest, I was very surprised when I was doing my research, were underdogs in that game. And, and going into it, I thought with all the injuries that Leicester had got and that Forest were on a, a pretty, you know, half-decent run apart from in the cup, um, I thought they uh, they looked pretty strong. So I was surprised that they were underdogs. What fuck it, I'll, mm, uh, I'll take the win. Thank you very much, Forest. Yes, why not? So just to recap then on the football, um, Dawson, you got one right and two voids. So technically 100% there. Ag, you, how did you do there? One right, is that one right? One out of three, I think, yeah. One out of three, yeah. Sorry, it's because the um, the tally's all, it, it, it's a total, isn't it? Not just football. Uh, Kemp, how did you do, mate? You got uh, one out of three. One out of three, same as Ag. PB. <laughs> PB. And myself, I got two out of three, obviously with the Ross Stewart letting me down on the, on the scorer as he did. All scorers let us down this week. So, yeah, two out of three for myself. Uh, one out of one for Dawson, so... Not too bad for me and you, mate, but uh, it's these pair again, isn't it? That statement is true across the board, mate. We're, we're, uh, I'm on the thing. No, 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 not true across the board at all. No, you wait until we get to the NFL segment later on. Okay, okay, okay. So, so, yeah, Skin, do you want to take away the uh, the listener lock-in? How did they get on? I do, mate. I'm not sure Jason will want me to get into it, but we'll. <laughs> uh, he's not here. So, uh, yeah, Caroline week one kicked us off with a high bar of one correct answer after he got yeah, United to beat Everton 3-1 correct. Um, just a very, well, well, we'll just go through one by one. Jay's lock of the week was Leighton Orient. Didn't win. They drew it home to Barrow, 0-0. His scorer, which thankfully did take off me, was Tuba Apcom for Middlesbrough, uh, who didn't score. His wild card was Blackpool to beat Watford. They didn't. He had Brighton and Liverpool to fight out a 2-2 draw. They didn't, as we know. He had United to lose 3-1 to City. They didn't. And he had Arsenal, which was his probably his closest uh, guess, to win 2-1 to Tottenham. And, and that 2-0 win, unfortunately, gets him across. So, Jaso. For yeah. week two of listener locking, gets himself a nice big fat zero. Um, so obviously, what we pick with the NFL included is slightly different to what the listeners pick. But year to date, I know it's only two weeks, but year to date, listeners' uh, football success sits at eight percent and oh loaded sport. That's one out of twelve. Uh, if you want the breakdown on that, <laughs> one correct answer out of twelve possible. Um, and loaded sport as a combination sits at 52%, and that includes Aggies and Kemp's absolutely horrid success. Um, so for those of you that listen and think, well, that's easy, it's not as easy as it looks, um, and I'm looking forward to see who can start to bring that 8% up a little bit closer to, uh, to what we're, we're achieving so far. Um, who's, I have reached uh, out. who's next one, mate? Who's next one? Uh, we've got Aaron Law joining us on Thursday. He's a, he's a big blade. So Aaron, I'm talking you... directly to you, mate. Sorry for cutting you off skin. No, Ag, go on, go on. Uh, Aaron, come on, mate. Let's, uh, let's, let's raise this percentage up a bit because right now you need to get two to get uh, <laughs> to be the top <laughs> of the leaderboard. So fuck me, mate. Come on. Please, yeah. uh, himself, Sam. These listeners are making me look brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> I've uh, I've seen Aaron today, and he is he's very 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 excited. I know it's his Tuesday release. We're recording it Monday night, and he said he's already doing his research or has been doing it. So, um, hopefully he'll uh, he'll come ready for some uh, for some success. Just before we close off on the listener lock in results, I did reach out to Jay. I thought give him the opportunity to uh, comment on his <laughs> result, um, and he said that was a practice run. 
when am I actually on the show? So I don't <laughs> oh, think he realised that we were live and recording, but uh, maybe next season, Jay, we'll, uh, we'll do it again <laughs> and uh, give you another chance to, to beat that zero out of six. But thanks for coming on, mate. Really good talking to you. Brilliant. There we go. So we move on now, and in just a few moments' time, we'll be discussing the latest news coming out of the heavyweight division of UFC. Welcome back to episode 22 of Loaded Sport. We are now going to start discussing the latest news coming out of the UFC. So, Kemp, over to you. Yeah, I just thought I'd um, have a bit of a conversation with maybe you, Dawson, about the uh, latest news about the heavyweight division. Um, Francis Mate, what do you want to talk about? Well, Francis Ngannou, the undisputed or former now UFC heavyweight champion of the world, um, has been released from his contract. He is yeah. no longer the UFC heavyweight champion of the world, um, and the title has now been vacated, which will be fought for by the former light heavyweight champion and considered one of the greatest in the game, if not of all time, John Jones and former contender Cyril Garn. So, first of all, your reaction, and are you surprised as maybe a bit of an outsider to, to, to MMA in the UFC? Um, as to this news when you when you saw it, hundred percent, mate. The the fact alone, well, even if he he wasn't the heavyweight champion, it would still be a shock. But the fact that he currently holds that heavyweight title is is massive, and it it sends shockwaves throughout the whole division, really, doesn't it? Of, of what happens next, like you say, they've already got the next lineup sorted for for who will pick up that vacant title, but. I, I personally don't really know the ins and outs. I, I, I've not seen Ngannou in a fight for ages. Last time I saw him was when he uh, absolutely leathered Danger Error and in Nakasaka in Jackass Forever. Um, <laughs> so, you know, I'm not really sure what he's been up to since that. So, Kemp, obviously you'll know a bit more about the backstage yeah. stuff and, and sort of the reasons that have led to the news that came out over the weekend. But, yeah, yeah it's, it's very shocking, mate. Very yeah, shocking yeah. indeed. And yeah, so when... Go on, sorry, after you. No, I was just saying, like, where, you know, UFC is seen as the pinnacle of of mixed martial arts and he held the title and you know for for all his talents was probably one of the biggest drawing sort of fighters that they've got on the roster so I'm mm. I'm interested and I'm intrigued to see what he what he looks at doing next well it's it's an interesting one on on many levels but I think just you mentioned the backstory there and what's been going on behind the scenes um Francis's last title defense was against Cyril Garn and he defeated him by showing, you know, an unbelievable wrestling performance, which nobody expected, seeing as though Francis Ngannou is a big, you know, heavy-handed yeah, uh, striker. That's it, that's it. So not a lot of people expected that, but he put in an unbelievable performance against a fantastic striker in Cyril Garn and, and got the win. Um, after the fight, Dana White didn't put the belt around Francis Ngannou, which he, he usually does, um, which yeah. was a bit of a, a telling point that the relationship probably wasn't, a hundred percent. Since then, there's been rumours and rumblings that he's going to be signing a new contract. That there's the sticking points, but it looks like it's going to get done. That the relationship is rebuilding itself. That it was Francis Ngannou's management that was the problem, and they were difficult to work with and difficult to come to an agreement on. Um, and then this news today, you know, it's it has been drawn out a little bit. Francis had some had a surgery on, I think, one of his legs. 
um, that was injured before the Garn fight. So it did buy them a little bit of time, but the heavyweight division needs to move on. And um, and, and Ngannou, from his side of things, is saying that it's more because they're down as independent contractors. They don't have health insurance. They don't have, you know, he wants to see things like that being implemented into um, the UFC as yeah. an organisation. Um, Dana White has come out and said that it's more of a money thing and that they offered Francis more money than they've offered any other heavyweight, including Brock Lesnar. Yeah, um, I saw that. that. He turned down the deal. So th- there's there's mixed reports depending on whose side you believe. Um, but what we do know is that Francis has relinquished the heavyweight title and he is now a free agent. Um, and I think that's what Francis ultimately did want, unless the UFC came to him with a ridiculous offer. I think this is the way that it was always going to go. Francis has always said that he wants to do crossover boxing. He wants to make a lot of money. It's funny you should say that because I was going to say like, what do you think mm. of his potential in boxing with, as you mentioned there, his his background or his biggest strengths or what he's most well known for is in being on his feet and his striking. Has he got mm. the potential to move into to the boxing world potentially? He's got the potential to move into the boxing world most definitely. He's got he's got you know he's very very heavy handed. Um, he's one of the hardest punches in the entire world, you know, yeah. regardless of the sport of MMA or boxing. Um, I think he once did a, a, a punch test where, you know, a punch power test. And I think it, the result was that it was like being hit by a Ford SUV. Um, yeah. So he's got an unbelievably powerful punch. Um, but when it comes to boxing, he started in boxing, but then transitioned to MMA and he's 36 it's not yeah. as if he's going to be coming and, and learning how to, you know, learning the sweet science and how ranks. to flip punches and, you know, fighting like Tyson Fury. So, yes, he could definitely be a massive, massive showcase attraction in like an, an exhibition event or, yeah. you know, there's so much crossover boxing these days. It's a perfect time for Francis to to make that transition. But um, against any world-class boxers, I, I think Francis would struggle, which is why... It, sort of doesn't make all the sense in the world for me that, that he's done what he's done. But, you know, Francis, at the end of the day, wanted that freedom more than anything else. And uh, now he's got that freedom to go and have those exhibition fights, to go and star in movies whenever he wants, to sign massive deals. He's already got a deal with Gymshark for clothing, sign massive, you know, um, sponsorship deals and what have you. So I'm happy for Francis. I'm happy that he's got the freedom that he's so desired. Um, and now we've got John Jones versus Cyril Garn for the uh, for the heavyweight title um, in uh, in May, I think it is, or March. So um, yeah, that's going to be a, a very interesting fight, and uh, it's the March the fourth. It is, um, and uh, and we shall see. Can John Jones be a two weight world champion? Can he uh, can he be the greatest in the world and the greatest maybe of all time? We we shall see. But it's very interesting times in the UFC, and watch this space. Lads, thank you very much. We'll be back in just a few moments' time to discuss wildcard weekend of the National Football League. Welcome back to episode 22 of Loaded Sport. We're now going to break down wildcard weekend of the NFL season, starting with the Vikings against the Giants in Come the on. NFC. Whoa, uh, whoa, 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 whoa. Rewind. Adam, please may you address them by their full title, please. The Minnesota Vikings 
and the New York Football Giants. <laughs> there it is. Correct. Yes. Thank is. you for addressing my team in the way that they re- deserve. They deserve all the respect what after the weekend. Take it away, mate. Daniel Jones and Brian Dayball leading the Giants to the first playoff win in fucking since God were a kid. Um, Super Bowl win. Divisional, Super yeah. Bowl, yeah. It, fucking way, yeah. I mean, divisional round. I'm, I'm, I'm so delighted. I'm so happy. I've not been this happy to be a Giants fan since I started <laughs> being a Giants fan. Um, so, uh, yeah, absolutely delighted. I said to all you boys that if we beat the Vikings, that that would sort of be, I'd be happy with that. Um, I want taste more. for it. I want more. I've got taste for it, and I want a little bit more. Uh, so yeah, I mean, what what more can I say? <clears throat> Daniel Jones, um, three hundred and one yards, two in, two touchdowns, no interceptions. He's 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 a different quarterback than than the one that we we we, we drafted from from Duke all those years ago. Um, in that horrendous draft, <laughs> we all just we on Daniel Jones. I've, I've got a question for you. With yeah. him, I just like yeah. obviously preseason, yeah. the Giants um, declined to pick up his fifth year option. Obviously, yeah. every they mm-hmm. had every right to. Let's be fair, not really yeah. shown anything up until that point that it, yeah. it could be capable of being a franchise quarterback. Mm-hmm. He's had a hell of a season. He's just beat the Vikings in <laughs> Minneapolis. Mm-hmm. Do does he deserve to be re-signed by the yes. Giants? Yes, one hundred percent, one hundred percent. Yeah, he wasn't when he wasn't playing particularly well. He wasn't a, a good quarterback by any means necessary. Yeah. He wasn't a, a train wreck. You know, there was little bits and pieces there yeah. that you could say, okay, you can work on that. You know, we, we can improve on that. And yeah, he wasn't Dave bad, was he? He was just nothing. No, he wasn't really. a bad quarterback. He was just a meh. He's just a, you know, he is what he is, middle of the road type of thing. But his performances this season, especially in, you know, when the lights were bright in, in the playoffs, his first playoff game, his first postseason game, biggest game of his career so far. And, and he absolutely showed out. Like I say, three hundred and one yards, two touchdowns. He, he the little trick plays, you know, pretending to throw the oh, ball. And put oh, it down his oh so nice! Oh, they're so nice. calling it the Statue yeah. of Liberty play. Oh, oh I like it. I like it. Fucking and I'll be that one out on Super Bowl Sunday when we yeah, uh, go yeah, and have yeah. a game. But uh, yeah, you know, he, he knew when he knew when to to go. He knew when to when to make a play. He knew when to use his feet, which we all know. He's he's pretty good at. He's yeah. one of the best rushing quarterbacks in the league this season. I think. Hundred percent. Seventy-eight yards um, from seventeen rushing attempts from from that DJ was our lead rusher once again. Um, and that's not disparaging Barkley because he got two touchdowns, but Daniel Jones is just Unreal. so effective in the run. And and we saw Minnesota they, they struggled to cope with it. They struggled to cope with you know did they go zone? Did, did they put put in a? Did they go man? Did they put in a, a QB spy? Um, and, and it gives you that option that a lot of other quarterbacks don't. So, yeah, we definitely pick him up. We definitely pay the man. And I think, you know, coming off of one season where he's been successful, I'm not sure we'd have to pay him a ridiculous amount either. That's a good that point. A quarterbacks yeah. get these days. So, um, yeah, he's a no-brainer for me. Let's let's pay him. Let's let's pay Saquon. Let's play D, pay DJ and let's build these franchise around these two players because, you know, unbelievable performance, unbelievable win. I'm, I was so, so happy. To, to see the Giants play as well as we did. Um, and not just those players as well. It, it gives me so much <laughs> hype and happiness to say Isaiah Hodgins, you know, eight receptions, 105 Class. yards and a touchdown. Yeah, 
Darius Slayton, you know, he, he, he struggled a little bit and that catch at the end of the game, he, sh he should have won that, you know, he should have made that catch and we should have won the game there. Could we have been talking about a different story? You know, perhaps, but we're not. So, you know, Darius Slayton with 88 receiving yards, Barkley with 56, Richie James with 31 receiving yards. So everybody played their part and Dexter Lawrence, my God. Oh, I'm glad you brought him up. Animal he is. The, <laughs> the an man, animal. the myth, the legend my that goodness. created the select. My goodness, Dexter Lawrence. I mean, what an unbelievable performance he had. And um, yeah, you, you can't grumble at that for, for one second. So it, it, what an all-round unbelievable performance from the New York Giants. What a team performance. What a... a, 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 a a service they've paid Dayball in all the work that he's done and, and Shane as well, the GM, and uh, very, very happy to be a Giants fan tonight, boys. So um, um, You've uh, kind of perfectly put me onto a segue there, mentioning your GM. So, question to you again, Ken, I'm going to come straight back to you with it being the Giants. I think you deserve to have the most uh, chat on this. David Gettleman. Now then, does he deserve <laughs> some credit for this? Dan Jones, Saquon, Dexter Lawrence are all his players. He has brought in probably 90% of that current 53-man roster. He can put a roster together, it seems. It just it, it needed somebody else to kind of play with it, if that makes sense. So, what do you reckon? Do you reckon David Gettleman actually deserves some credit after all this? You, you can't say he doesn't, can you? you? You literally can't say he doesn't. You know, some of the decisions, the footballing decisions that have been made in the franchise for the past few years have been horrific. You know, the head coaching gig, it's been given to... You know, coaches that have never had a head coaching gig in their life got a bloody tight ends coach from Patriots last year. So, you know, it's uh, it, it, there's been some very questionable decisions in that in that regard. And and these players, when we've drafted them, they've they've looked questionable ever since because they've not had the right coaching. But you know, you mentioned there Dexter Lawrence, Daniel Jones, Saquon Barkley, all Gettleman picks, and and they are all looking like fantastic New York Giants players. So. You have to give Andrew credit Thomas where credit as well, due. left tackle. Yeah. Uh, left tackle yeah. had a shocker of a rookie year, but he's been absolutely yeah. brilliant. Second yeah. team all pro this year. Absolutely. That's... But then you've also got to look at Shane and Evan Neal and Thibodeau that both look like, you know, mm. very decent picks as well. So I think Gettleman deserves some credit, but, you know, am I saying that I'd rather get Gettleman back than Joe <laughs> no, Shane? No, no, no. Absolutely no. not. And we've, we've made, you know, thank you for, for those picks, David Gettleman. You know, you've done us a service there, but... It, the future looks really bright with a new GM, new head coach and uh, a new bright team. So thank you, Gettleman. But um, yeah, we're moving on. Thank you. <laughs> Gettleman walked so Shane could run. That's it. Absolutely. C correct. And fair play to him. OK, next up, we look at the uh, the early game on Saturday. The San Francisco 49ers beating the Seattle Seahawks 41 what what did you uh, what did you reckon, Ag? Obviously, your boys your boys in that one. How did uh, how did how did your experience go down? Talk us through it. We were very slow getting started. I think we left it a little bit too late to really uh, get things going. I think the first three drives we ended up punting um, twice. I think one was an interception from Gino as well. We know San Fran are a very strong side. We know that they're they're very good, and we couldn't keep giving them the ball as easy as we were doing. It was just nothing seemed to click on offense then we started to get things going and I think at the half Shanahan just turned around and says right let's stop fucking about with him now let's get this game done <laughs> I think that's exactly what happened really DK though fair play DK he had a bit of a beast game didn't he he did yeah he got um, 136 yards I think it were in total two touchdowns, two touchdowns he yeah. 
he was definitely Gino's favourite target. And considering all season he's been like leaning a little bit further back on on tight ends and the usage of like Noah Fant and Parkinson, the fact that both DK and Lockett got involved in the game and. I think that's something that we really do need to utilise more moving forward. Yeah. This year, we've had Kenneth Walker, and, and don't get me wrong, he's been oh, phenomenal. He's he been a such a good breakout player for us this year. But I think we need to get DK and Lockett more involved with the passing game. Otherwise, we're just going to continue to struggle. Those two are, are incredible talents that we're just not utilising at the moment. Um, and then I think the rest of it just goes pretty much straightforward, wasn't it? I know you guys... Um, I think you guys said to me that at one point, I think you're predicted that San Fran were going to win by two, maybe three scores at some point when we did the yeah. little score lines. Yeah. And I know I were being silly by saying the Seahawks to win, but you know, you play football, you got to back your boys, aren't you? So I, I went with that and more for me. Kills you. It is, yeah, it is. <laughs> but at the end of the day, look, we weren't ever supposed to be in the playoffs. At the beginning of the season, nobody thought we were going to be in the playoffs. Nobody thought we were going to be second in our own, in, in the NFC West. So, the fact that we got to the playoffs with Gino, who everybody wrote off, the fact that we've still got a top five draft pick, where I think it's 20th, depending on what happened between uh, Cowboys and the Bucks as well. We, we've got a, a very exciting future, some incredible rookies that performed for us this season. So we, we lost to San Fran quite heavily, but look, they're a very strong side and I think they're going to go all the way to the Super Bowl. How good was uh, CMC, by the way? That's, yeah. uh, that, that trade seems to be... Paying, paying dividends, doesn't it? He yeah. just said it at the time, didn't we? If he could stay, for yeah, it, it, yeah, that was all that came down to. We, we knew, we, we, well, again, we say we knew, which obviously we don't at the time, but we, we said at the time he's, he is literally perfect for that scheme. Yeah. When he's played, he's produced no matter what system or what plays he's had around him. It was just about whether he could stay healthy, and he stayed perfectly healthy. And other than his first game, that he was officially with the Niners, where he didn't really play a lot, to be fair. He only had a few carries. They lost that game, but every game since, where he has been pretty, you know, heavily featured, they've won every single game. So, you know, what a what a trade by Lynch to go out there and, and make it happen. It's not often you see a, an absolute superstar of that calibre get traded, especially mid-season. So, uh, yeah, full credit to them. And that could be the turning point, because they were three and four at, the, at one point. That, was, could yeah. be, uh, that could be the, the sort of pivotal moment or the thing that you look back on as to what what you know what did the Niners do to turn that season into a Super Bowl winning season that's that's the turning point at the moment I think they're on like 11 consecutive wins and this is the first year because yeah, you guys are. have been watching the NFL longer than I have so this is the first year I've really got to see anything from CMC because he has been quite injury prone so all <laughs> yeah. I've really had is you guys telling me look when he's healthy he is a, an extremely good player he's probably one of the better best running backs if not the it's best probably, running back it's probably it's, it's Top three back in the league when he's fit. There you but go. Top, and his, his fit, he's he's going number, number one every year in in fantasy. Yeah. Well, there you go. And and he, he performed again extremely well against us. We we've got a poor run defense, so that's something that we really need to focus on again in the draft and a couple of free agency signings if the the correct personnel become available. But now we've got to face him twice a year. It worries me a bit more. But what also worries me is I was I was a bit optimistic thinking we might have to go up against Trey Lance. But Brock Purdy, again, pulled it oh, out of the man. bag. I'm glad and... you brought him up because I'm going to say, actually, kudos to Dawson here. So if we'll uh, hark back a, a month or month and a half, two months maybe. Jimmy G goes down injured. We're all sat here speculating, uh, suggesting who they should pick up in free agency. Baker Mayfield at the time had just become available. We're all saying, should they go for him? Probably yes. Dawson, to be fair, he said, don't be so sure. Niners are really high on Brock Purdy. 
And I mean, we can see exactly why they were high on Brock Purdy because Mr. Irrelevant, absolutely not. He's um, just been a steady, not even steady hand, has he? He's been. Oh, mate, look at that, mate, look some of the stuff. The, did you see some of the brilliant. plays? He was scrambling, he was all over the place, but he managed yeah. to pull off passes to McCaffrey and Complete, to Eli yeah. Mitchell to get passes under big pressure. And yeah, yeah, he's and supposed to be one of the hardest jobs in world quarterback in the NFL. And he's just, <laughs> he's just come in and just made, taking the piss he's out of the He's making it look league. like Mudgeon Riddens, mate. Honestly, he's been fantastic. <laughs> and I, 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 like you just said, then credit to Skin because I thought they'd have stuck with Purdy simply because they wouldn't have looked to pick anyone else up for the sake of the end of the season but I thought it had been the opposite direction and he was just going to suck and it meant that we were going to walk away with the NFC West they weren't going to make the playoffs and everything else is history they get ready to go again next year but now he's he's unbeaten isn't he as a quarterback so he is <laughs> fair, fair play to him so yeah uh, that uh, that concludes the talk between the Niners and the Seahawks we prepare for just, another uh, season can I just very quickly say because of what you said there I said mm-hmm. I said to Mudge over the weekend but while the Niners game was on that I, I, I'm back in not back in as in um, I think Niners will win because I think the Chiefs will win the Super Bowl as I said but I I want uh, I'll be supporting the Niners and that's because there's a lot of players there that I think would like I would like to see like CMC I'd love to see him win a ring Kittle you know and a lot of other players but a rookie's never won the Super Bowl a rookie's never taken the team to the Super Bowl I don't think so what an incredible story and, and Sam we always talk about America's game and oh. it's the best sporting documentary just um, he's got to be part of that panel and he is of course he has Mr. Irrelevant rookie pick you know nobody saw him playing at any point in the season barring a disaster which obviously happened in the end but the, yeah what a story so I, th- I think for me Niners have got to be getting a neutral support at this at this point just purely for the for the news that will come out of it but yeah w- what a guy and We'll, uh, we'll see how they play on uh, at the weekend. Absolutely. Sorry, it's all right. Um, the late night Saturday, early Sunday morning game, I don't know how you look at it, uh, was between the Jacksonville Jaguars and the Los Angeles Chargers. And Ooh. I said, I, I'm going to take a bit of credit for this because it's about the only thing I've managed to predict that's come right. And that's that I said it was going to be a high scoring game. And I th- well, can I can I just one up you on that and say what Sam had chance to win by one? Thank you, mate. Thank you. I, I was going to bring it up myself, but I'm glad and I had that too. What was two. the score, Adam? In the end, it finished Jaguars thirty-one, Chargers thirty. Wow, what a game! Twenty-seven nil. I would say that doesn't paint. That doesn't tell the story, does it? Chargers twenty-seven nil up. Trevor Lawrence just had an absolute shit show of a first half. Through four interceptions by half time, three of them went to uh, Asante Samuel Jr. Bless him. What a, I bet he's thinking oh. he's bringing he's bringing this dub home to. Um, he's got the headlines, hasn't he? Yeah, at, taking at it back to LA. But now it um, completely changed in the second half. I, I, I didn't watch it. I must admit, so you know, with it, as you say, with it being a late game, I just picked up on the highlights and couldn't believe when, when uh, I checked the score in the morning. I thought, oh, 30, 31, good game. But actually. Dove in, dived into it a little bit more. I thought, Jesus Christ, how have they, uh, how have they pulled that one off? If it's uh, Doug, Doug Peter, Doug uh, Pedersen, isn't it? It's, um, yeah. I always want to call him Peterson for some reason. Doug Pedersen is. I think he said after the game, it's the um, the second greatest win of his co- coaching career. Obviously, number one being the Eagles, <laughs> Eagles Super Bowl. So yeah, yeah. fair play to Jags. They, they didn't quit. Um, on the highlights, I must admit, because obviously knowing the scores as I'm watching it, I'm, I'm noticing the fans and I'm thinking. How at what point do the fans start leaving? You know, getting fucked up. The twenty-seven nil down. And I don't think I've seen one fan leave. Every yeah. time they went to the next highlight, it was still packed. Duval County, as they say, just fully backing the team, and then the uh, the reap the rewards. Yeah, definitely. And 
you, you see that 27 nil down, Lawrence throwing four um, interceptions in the first half, as you said, and, and you think there must have been something epic that led to that comeback. And to be honest, it, it wasn't necessarily the case for this game. It was more just three or four plays, individual plays that really changed the momentum and, and the you know where the rest of the game led to. Chargers missed a field goal um, and a relatively easy one to make in the second half. If that goes through, you know, that changes the dynamic yet again of giving them an extra three points on the board. Chargers defense got very, very tired and, and Lawrence started pinging balls all across the field to, to Engram, to Zay Jones, to Christian Kirk. He threw four touchdown passes to four individual players. You know, they really took advantage of of the the hard work that Chargers defense are putting in the first half. They started to catch up on a little bit as the game went on. And also as well, I think the key play for that game was a fourth and one in the fourth quarter where um, it looked like they were set up for a quarterback sneak or an inside Ah, run. They'd lined up three backs. Trevor Lawrence handed it off to Travis Etienne uh, for an outside run for 25 yards. So we know... Uh, Pedersen, as we as we know with that Philly performance in the Super Bowl, calling the Philly special, the absolute fucking stones on him to call that play. Yeah, but just as much so for that fourth and one run to to run it outside where it would have just taken one player to to spot what was happening and, and make the tackle and it be pretty much game over. They could have gone for the sneak. Trevor Lawrence is very good at that. He's you know he's a tall quarterback. They had big backs lined up to make that inside run and just pound it through for that yard to get the first down. So to make that call and it to pay off as it did, you've got to love the fucking courage and, and the stones and the guy to make that call in such a pivotal moment. So, yeah, brilliant from Lawrence, brilliant from from the whole Jags team, to be fair. But, yeah, I think it was just three, four individual plays throughout that second half that really defined the, the final result. And I think um, they've essentially created the blueprint for how they take internet. And obviously, we're going to save this for Thursday, obviously, the, the pre- preview show, should I say. Uh, but they've kind of created a blueprint blueprint now for how they can beat Patrick Mahomes. Um, Herbert had four possessions in that second half, just didn't see the ball. Uh, And yeah, I think one thing they can't do is they can't let the Chiefs run out to an early lead like they did against the Chargers because the Chiefs ain't the Chargers. The Chargers are soft, we know this, and they have been for years and years. So does does Brandon Staley deserve to stay on? That's probably a conversation for another day maybe, but well, we, we, we've spoke about it briefly today, haven't we? And, and I'll just sort of headline it, really. But that squad is an elite squad. And yeah. if it's going to benefit from that with the small window that NFL teams have for success, it needs an elite coach. And, yeah, he, he he's done really well in the past. It's early in the regular season, he seems to love going for it and fourth and one and being really successful. But as the season goes on, they seem Shit. to get less and less. Yeah, pretty much so. Yeah, I think that elite squad deserves an elite coach with with history of success. So, yeah, maybe it's time for him to move on. Maybe so. Moving on to Sunday um, evening. I think it was the first game of Sunday evening. Um, The Buffalo Bills, 34. The Miami Dolphins, 31. And there have been some some talking points on the back of this. No more than uh, Skylar Thompson. Wow. Unbelievable. Absolutely oh, unbelievable. Taking the game to, to Buffalo. This is one that I did sit down and watch and, and thoroughly enjoyed, to be fair, uh, from a neutral perspective, because 
me and Eleanor had a discussion about this, and I said to her that I don't think I'd be that interested in it. The Bills are going to win without Tua, yeah. without Teddy. It's a foregone conclusion. It's going Buffalo's way. And it did, but it probably should have gone more so on paper. But we know games aren't won on paper in the NFL anyway. And uh, Thompson <laughs> put in an excellent performance, um, led Miami quite quite nicely. Um I think as an entire Miami team, to be fair, the defense stepped up and forced Buffalo into so many areas. I think there was a couple of interceptions in the first half, fumbles that yeah. Josh Allen lost as well, that normally you just wouldn't have expected from a quarterback of his caliber. So I think... It looked like the old Josh Allen, just just yeah. giving just takeaways, left, right and center, just chucking the ball anyway. Fumbles coming out. I think he gave the ball away four times, didn't he? <laughs> yeah, two interceptions, yeah. two fumbles lost and... Yeah, Can't do that before the season game. started, I sat there and said, the Bills are going to win. And uh, Skin, I think I've been in quite a few leagues with you this season. I put so much stock in Stefan Diggs having an incredible season. <laughs> I thought they're going to do so well. You put so much well. stock in him in every league you were in, mate. I did. <laughs> every league I went, Stefan Diggs. Um, yeah. But to get to the Super Bowl, I think to even get over the next hurdle, the Bills need to be so much better than they were against the Dolphins. 100%. I yeah. think they got a well, bit I'd... lucky. I said it when we did the the quick fire predictions at the end of the preview show last week. I said Bills by ten, but I I said that I think Bills will be comfortable, but not nested. That won't necessarily show in the scoreboard. That you know they were playing Scarlett or playing against Scarlett Thompson. Two was out, and we know that offense is going to be so much different. You know, with those two at quarterback. So part of Allen's performance, I think, was Dad's complacency because for a lot of that game, let's be honest, it didn't look like they were going to need to get out of second gear. I think mainly for the first half. So I think that does come down to some of it um, because I, I didn't think Bills would absolutely blow them out in terms of just dominating them. It would just be more of get the result, avoid injuries, move on to, to the next game. So yeah, 100% they're now facing one of the informed teams in, in the Bengals, as we know. They, they've they've got to step up, but I do expect them to be back to, you know, certainly towards their, their very best. Now they know they've got to be on it. They can't afford any mistakes. One thing that I've was... Look what can be. Go on, mate. No, you're on. I've got a question on the Buffalo Bills, and this is for I'm opening up to sort of anyone here, and you might be able to see where I'm going very early on. Um, do you think, how do you think Josh Allen has looked this season compared to previous seasons? And do you think anything to do with the fact that the best coach in all of football is no longer his offensive coordinator? <laughs> uh, he, yeah. I think McDermott is a historically a defensive coach. Am I right? I might, I might yeah. be getting that wrong. So, hundred percent losing the greatest coach in the NFL, trademarked by Kem. Thank you. Um, the the self proclaimed at Ben Musgrove um, <laughs> is is hundred percent going to have an impact. But I, he, he's not been as good, but he's still been very good. I'll I'll keep it at that. Yeah, I mean, 35 touchdowns, 14 interceptions. The interceptions are definitely higher than, than they probably should be a quarterback of his calibre. I'd probably expect a few less than that. But uh, I would say there has been a slight decline. I think everyone had uh, got the um, pre-season him as MVP, Buffalo to win the Super Bowl. I think that was pretty much... He was the poster boy, weren't he, for the league? <laughs> yeah, unanimous, I think, that was on pundits and, you know, average Joe on the street were all saying the same. So, yeah, I think... Dayball leaving has had a bigger impact than probably thought they would have. Um, just want to go back to the game though. Um, clock management. What the hell was oh. the, what the hell was that about with the Dolphins? So I think something like that. Obviously, so they had about five delay of games. That they had the last delay of game. They kept calling timeouts just in time to catch him, and then obviously they ran out of timeouts in the end. I think they used all three timeouts to to stop delay of games. Um, yeah. 
then it obviously come right down to it. There was about eight seconds left, and they just couldn't get the snap off in time. Flag comes out. All of a sudden, instead of fourth and two, it's fourth and seven, and they're behind the yeah. chains, and it's game over from that point. They lost by three points. That could have cost them the game. If they didn't have them them flags, they could have quite easily gone down, especially because they were what, just, be- just before the midfield, I think, in their own half. So Yeah, that, that definitely... fourth and one right at the end where it ended up being a fourth and six because they were all yeah, just stood about not. I think it's it's a lot of it, they were saying a lot of it went down to the atmosphere and that proves just how big home advantage is in the playoffs, isn't it? Because I think what they were saying, and I saw an interview afterwards with Josh Allen talking about the fact that a lot of the delay of games looked to have come from the fact that they just couldn't snap the ball and the, the centre couldn't hear the snap from it's, it's just not, it's, it's not excusable football in the, in the playoffs. You've got, to have, you've got to be well-drilled, well-versed on the silent count. Teams, I've just it should be a second nature to teams to go into a team and just not hear anything. It's called, like I say, it's called a silent count. The centre has the ball, is looking between his legs, and he's waiting for the quarterback to do that little kick out he does, just to you know, so that he knows when to snap. Sometimes they'll stand there and clap the ball if it, you know they start to panic a bit. But normally it's that back leg kick they do, and that's the signal to snap the ball. Um, there, there wasn't any of that, and and McDaniel for me has to take a lot of this heat because he knows he's dealing with a third string quarterback now. Apparently there was issues actually getting him the the correct calls and correct plays, so you're instantly hampering that third string quarterback. And we know the third string quarterback it's Skylar Thompson. Put some respect on his name, to be fair. Um, you know he's going to have issues reading out the plays. He's going to. It's his first actual game. He's facing live bullets. So you've got to then account for that. So simplify your plays for him and just try and take as much responsibility away from that young quarterback as you can. And I think McDaniel should have a lot to answer for for that because it just didn't help him as much as he could have done. Yeah. Yeah, that, that's a fair, fair assessment of it. Um, moving on to Sunday night's game, the Cincinnati Bengals beating the Baltimore Ravens by 24 points. To seventeen, big game, big uh, big divisional game. These two teams just don't like each other, do they? Really don't like each other. Uh, Patrick, uh, not Patrick Peterson, uh, Peters and Chase. What well, that they've been keeping me on that for, for a while now. They just really don't seem to like each other. They're constantly niggling all the way through the game. And I think what the game essentially boiled down to was just piss poor play calling from John Arbor. They got the ball. On well, not third... according to him. <laughs> yeah, it won't be according to him, will it? Trying to chuck his fucking quarterback under the bus. Um, so it's third and one at the goal line. And for some stupid reason, the play call was a QB sneak and it was the QB just to dive uh, full stretch. It was a good yard as well. It, it was like almost two yards, I think. It weren't, weren't inches. It was closer to two yards than it was being inches. And obviously he's gone over the top. So unsecure the football is. The defense has knocked it out, and the rest is history. As he's gone, uh, what's his what's the name? Sam um, Hubbard. Hubbard, of course it boy. is. It's gone. Boy it's gone. Storming down the other end of the field. He's needed. Uh, he's needed oxygen after he's done. Bless him. Uh, but it's just a bad play call for me. You, you, I love the 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 the, the old fashioned dunking style. We've seen Trevor Lawrence do it the, the night before. We've, we've seen Andrew Luck do it in the playoffs forward, reaching over and dunking. But in that situation, that should only be done when there is no other option for me. So Trevor Lawrence did it on a two point conversion. So if he didn't get it, it wouldn't matter. Um, Andrew Luck did it. It was a fumble. He's recovered it and dunked it over. So it's an impromptu play. That was third down. So they, they had another chance after that to make another play. Why not give it? 
J.K. Dobbins, who had been absolutely on a fucking tear all game. I think he touched the ball in the red zone. Uh, I think he was on, on the actual field in the red zone four occasions um, in that second half. And he only seen the ball once, and that went for a touchdown. The rest of the times, he just didn't get a look in. So, John Arbor for me, he has a lot to answer to. That the game was tied when they went for it on a three point on the, yeah. on the third and third and a long one. So it was tied at seventeen, essentially giving a fourteen point swing when it could have been seven for them. Instead, it's seven for the opposition. And it's lost in the game. So, yeah, for me, John Arbor, lot to answer to for that one. Okay, that concludes the wildcard games that have taken place so far. Looking forward to uh, discussing on Thursday the build-up to uh, the divisional round, including, of course, the Giants against the Philadelphia Eagles. So, can't wait. Whilst we uh, look towards the locks that take place on Thursday, let's have a look at the locks and the wildcards that took place this past weekend, Sam. Yeah, so of course, just a reminder, we were free to pick, you know, we could we could tread on each other's toes this week with it being a, a very condensed fixture list. Is condensed the right word or is that? Yeah, no, I like it. I like yeah. it. Um, so we'll start with uh, Mr. Dawson. Three out of Hello. three. What's, um, talk, talk me through it, mate. Three out of three, what are it? Niners, CMC and uh, Jags, weren't it? What can I say, mate? My, my results speak for themselves. Not as much <laughs> as you like, but I'll uh, I'll certainly take a very 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 distant second place ahead of uh, Aggie and Kemp. So no mate, I'm happy. You can't not be with three out of three. I've no. uh, I've got my picks ready for this weekend, and I've uh, I've got a couple in there that might get a little uh, little ooh, ooh is it, really is, is it? So I'm looking forward to uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to getting to that. My score, I've not even prepped a backup because I think I should be clear and it should uh, should get a, a nice discussion Love out that. of it. You going to yeah, Chuba Hubbard? <laughs> it is actually I'm glad you brought that up because I do have a, a suggestion to make actually regarding scorers. Uh, but yeah, so just a reminder that was uh, Skin with the Niners, CMC, and the Jags. So uh, three ticks for him, quality from him. Ag, we'll move on to you, mate. You got uh, you got two out of three, so you got the Bengals. Well done. Thank you. Uh, finally getting a lot right. Um, <laughs> you went that way. That's aggressive. Austin Eckler. Which is just absolutely money, isn't he? Despite losing, he um, yeah, he's always a solid bet. Uh, Al Michael said he's a magnet for the end zone. Which, seen that, uh, yeah, really like that. good way yeah. of summing him up. Big fan of that. I think the only time he'd woke up, wasn't it? Oh um, mate, yeah, leave so it. bad, so bad. Like the uh, that Martin Tyler. Tyler. Yeah. <laughs> and then the final one, Ag. Obviously, you went. You had just a little bit of. I think you had your, your blinkers on there. You went for your boys, the Hawks, for a wild card, and of course that didn't come in. And this is so, why I don't do it. I told you all that I don't back uh, Seahawks, no England, you, or mate. Chesterfield. No and No, no, I know nobody forced me. I just thought, you know, it's playoffs any given Sunday. Why not? Why not back? Did, did you Did you have anyone prepped and you just got carried away with the moment and went for Hawks? Or no, it was you, Hawks. I literally had it written down, just saying, and I had it planned for a couple of days, thinking, how the fucking hell am I going to sell this? Um, <laughs> and I just put go Hawks and thought, you know what? They're my team, they're my boys, why not? And I didn't realistically think we were going to beat the Niners, but, you know, you're in the playoffs, you always have that little bit about you that thinks, what if? And it didn't happen, yeah. but we go again so, next year. And if it makes why... you feel better, mate, just uh, very quickly, if it makes you feel better, you don't have to worry about how you're going to sell or justify your wild cards because you're spending enough time doing it about your lot. So. I was going to say, and the, them reasons are exactly why your <laughs> scores are so shit. Um, so moving wow. on to Kempe. Now then, now then. Moving ah, on to Kemp B. Let's listen to this. Kemp went Hello. for the Niners. Yes? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
You then backed CMC for a touchdown yeah, yeah, scorer. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Listen to our pump. <laughs> and the third and final one was the New York Football Giants. Oh, baby! Yeah. <laughs> to, me, to me, that's three ticks, mate. Talk us through it. Three out of motherfucking three. So I've got the NFL down, that's sorted. So the NFL will go down. So for the rest Shame of Shame it's about done now. Yeah, no, no, that's fine, that's fine, that's fine. Whenever we're picking NFL picks in the future, I know I'm going to get three out of three there, that's fine. So now I just need to focus on football. But yeah, no, um, delighted. Thank you very much. I feel like I'm in elite company today. Um, <laughs> Rubbing shoulders. Yeah. Yeah, rubbing shoulders with grapes and uh, Adam, you fucking peasant, you stay where you are. Mate, there's one in it, I'm, shut uh, up. I'm with the big boys now, I'm too good for you now, we've, uh, we've left you behind, so uh, yeah. off we go, off we go, to the moon. You enjoy your weeks uh, in the big you. time. Uh, yeah, and then third, uh, sorry, third, fourth and final is myself, and I got three of three, of course, I did. Um, went for the Buffalo Bills because I know everyone. Me, I go absolutely mad. It sounds like, of course, I did. Wow, Jeez, yeah. you straight, mate. Obviously, it's wore off. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's it. it. That's it. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Buff- I went for the Buffalo Bills. Obviously, everyone kind of jumped on the Niners for the lock. So I did, uh, except for Ag. But um, I did want to kind of pivot on that one. So I went for the Bills. Got the tick there, just about. Went for playoff Gabe Davis. Me and Skin had a bit of a conversation about, obviously, Skin had had him in his fantasy team. It had been just an absolute roller coaster, up and down and inconsistent. And he did come through for me in an unbelievable touchdown catch on the um, on the backside there. And my wild card was the Jags. And obviously, I backed them to win by one as well, which which they did, 30-31. So I can't, I can't moan at all with, the, with my performance this week, I must say. Five out of six, mate. You were you were eleven out of twelve uh, year to date, ninety one percent success rate. Uh, no, right. sorry, you're ten out of eleven because your yeah. scorer was annoyed last week. That's so yeah, ninety one percent success. I very much believe that that will start declining as the year goes on. <laughs> I think but so. if it doesn't, mate, but while it's here, mate, I'm milking oh, it. Enjoy it, mate. I wish you'd milk me, but um, <laughs> yeah, you you're having an absolute storming start to the year, and to say that the uh, your New Year's resolution was to get a, at least one lock right. <laughs> To say you're at 10 out of 11 for all picks, including wild cards, two weeks in, mate, you're absolutely smashing. I'm looking forward to hearing who you've got planned for this upcoming weekend. I've already started looking now. There we go. Lads, thank you very much. But that is all we've got time for this week on episode 22 of Loaded Sport. Make sure you're joining us as uh, we release the preview show heading into the divisional round of the NFL. Let's go.